Jersey and right. here. They're all they're related. All, yeah, yeah. They're all related. Okay, I'm so excited to be back. Okay, so Baruch shame. Sorry, just no, like jumping in. I wish you were still home bouncing your grandkids on your lap. No, that's fun too, but I'm really actually excited to oh, also okay. be back. I want to just be in both places at the same time. Uh, I don't want to give anything up. Did Shalva leave or is she still No, there? she's still there. Baruch Hashem. Okay, so last time we spoke about Baruch Hashem Kvod Machus and about this question of, so wait, we say it or we don't say it? We say it quiet. We whisper it. It's like neither this, neither that. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say it. The Pasuk in the Torah says, On the other hand, Yaakov Avinu, when his son said, He said, So it was said, and then Chazal says, So should we or shouldn't we say it? And we ended up with, well, we say it quietly. Okay. So we're continuing from that theme as a way of trying to understand what does this verse mean? Because the Pasuk, Baruch Shein Kvod is very puzzling. If you try and translate it, it's hard to know what it actually means. None of the words are hard words, but conceptually it's hard to know what it says. Baruch, blessed, shame, name, Kvod Malchuso, the glory of, because it's not Kavod, it's Kvod, right? So the glory of Malchuso, his kingdom, Le'olam Va'ed. Blessed, let's say, is the name of the glory of his kingdom forever. It's actually, I don't know, when I first taught about Baruch Shem, I sort of spent a lot of time saying, what on earth does that mean? And how come I never questioned what it meant before? I guess because no one word jumped out as being hard to understand. But I, what does it mean that the, the glory of his malchus, the name of the glory of his malchus is blessed? And why am I saying it? So that's kind of where we're now headed, is to try and understand, like, so what is this verse saying? So I'm here on the first page of, this is Ramchal of Derech, in Derech Hashem. I see it rubbed off, 288. Let me just write on here, it's Ramchal Derech Hashem. It kind of didn't go in the copy. You can't see that that's what it is. Okay. Um, Okay, I'm just going to start near the bottom of the first paragraph where it says, Vihine. Vihine. Biosa kavona bepasuk rishon. The intention, the meaning of the first verse, that means, Lislos hakol bayihud, is to make dependent or to express the dependency of everything on God's unity. Kamosha Zaharnu, as we've been mentioning. Nimtsu kol hashpaos nislos baze. Every hashpa, everything that has any kind of impact in the world, everything that is in the world, all forces and everything really are dependent and stem from God and his unity. So when you get right down to the root of it, everything is one. Shema Yisrael, Hashem, Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Hashem's mashbiyaz Hashem, Hashem's mashbiyaz Elokeinu. You have to, somehow you have to go to that side of the room. I don't know, this side doesn't. And Hashem is Echad. Really, it's all Echad. Everything comes back to this idea of Shlemos, completion, Ha'amiti, that is the truth. The Shlemos Ha'amiti, the really true perfection and wholeness of the universe, which is that everything is really God and His expression. 
Vehine. So that's where we are coming from, from having said Shema Yisrael. Vehine hal nolad mizeh babruim hu. So what is the corollary? I mean, what comes out from that then amongst the creatures that he has created? Hashem is one. Everything is this absolute perfect unity. But then he's created all these creations and creatures and things. So what are we here for? That's really what he's asking. Does he answer? Yeah. Okay. You could stop there. I mean, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, you could answer like Mesel Shisham, which is also Ramchal, Lesanigal Hashem, but let's see what he says over here. So why are we here? Sheyashra Shmo Alehim. We're here so that God's name will rest on us. And that the holiness of God will stick to us, will attach to us with great strength, and dominate us. That God's holiness should be upon His name should be on us. Meaning, when you look at us, you see we belong to Him. You see God is you, you remember that there's God when you look at the people. That's what should be, might not be, but that's what we're here for. That when you look at a particular person, you'll say, oh, there's a God. In the same way that if you, well, maybe very much not the same way, but um, if you see, I don't know, the Taj Mahal, you'll say, oh, there was an architect. Look what an amazing creative, beauty-loving, right? When you look at a person, it's supposed to be the name of God comes to mind. And his holiness will cling to us, to them, to the people. And, this, and God's holiness will rule the people. Meaning, whatever is the will of God and his kedusha will be our will. That's what will determine what happens to us. And it will draw them. He's talking in third person. I keep moving it back to second. And will draw us after him always. Be like a magnet. Right? Wherever God's will is, that's where we're headed. So that it will come out that you find that all the people are dependent on God. In the same way that when we said Shema, we said everything in the world and all the forces of God's influence, they're really all in this limbo. It's really all just coming from God. It's one source. The goal of having people, the goal of our lives, is that we have God's name on us, his holiness on us, and that his holiness is pulling us towards him to the extent that we ourselves are now totally dependent. Uh, stemming from him and drawn to him, and perfected because of his perfection. I mean, we become part of that Hashem Okenu Hashem Echad, that recognition that everything in the world is really from God, also us. And when we look at any other person, we would say, wow, everybody in the world is really stemming from godliness. That's a, a, a daunting duty. It's quite a big thing to achieve, but it's also very exciting. If even briefly you could be a person that people would look at and say, wow, there's God. Okay. And that's the goal that through everything that happens, we should reach this truth. When we do reach this truth, when we do get to this, 
Nimtza chefto yisbarach nase, then we will find that God's will has been done. His chefetz over here means, uh, we quoted in the past a Ramban that vayar elokim es tov. God saw the light and it was good. So the Ramban says, it's not that God was surprised. It wasn't some new recipe and you try it out and then you find out, oh, how did it come out? And you weren't sure, right? God knew exactly what he was doing in advance and what it was going to achieve. So then the Ramban says, so what does it mean that he saw it and it was good? So he explains that, and so he talks about what it means God seeing, and that has a certain meaning in Torah. But when something is good, it has reached the level of perfection and goodness that God has created it to become. God created the world in a way that things are not created absolutely perfect. They become perfect. That's how the world is created. So, and, and over there, in fact, Chazal say that God created this perfect light and he put it away for the tzaddikim in the future, right? And the light that we have is not that light. In the future, it will be that light, okay? So that's, and that is how he, in general, created this part of, this part of the universe that we live in, is it's created imperfect, it becomes perfected over time. When it reaches the point that it, each individual thing, when it becomes perfected, then it's called tov. Now it's tov. Okay. So people could be tov me'od because we have to put effort into it ourselves. Okay. So nimtza chavzo yisbarach naaseh, then his will is done. Like his desire for what we were created to be would then be accomplished and achieved. Uchvodo misgadel, and his glory is expanded and amplified. They're one and the same. They happen together. When God's glory is apparent in human beings, that is his will in creating us being achieved. We have a long way to go. Maybe. I mean, don't you think it should be that when anyone walks into a room, we should all be standing up because God's glory should be there? Yes, but there's one thing that's recognized that a person has an inner tzalam alokim. Another is that it's actually shining out of the person that you see that there. There are people like that. There are people. You You see them and you're like, there's a God. Because if a person could be like that, that is so superhuman, the, just the, the way they behave, everything is so not like the usual human, then you realize that there's somebody even great, like, that's an amazing thing. Like, how did they get that way? It must be Hashem. It must be they learned this somehow from Him, or it's shining through them, and there, there's somebody there. I mean, that is always our starting point, is through people to understand God. Rabbi Orlok says, your starting point is your parents. You can grow past that, but your relationship with your parents is your starting point for your relationship with Hashem. It's always through people that we have to start, right? There's also the Mishnah that your the fear of God should be like your fear of your Rebbe, right? I said, what? I should be afraid. No, it should be the other way around or something. No, it's because how will you achieve fear of God? You have to have some kind of benchmark to start off with. Like, what does it mean when you're in awe of somebody where you're afraid that they will see something bad in you? But you want so badly for them to admire, and because you admire them so much, and because you want so much to please them. and You have to have some kind of place to start. That's really a different topic, that that's how human minds work. We always have to have some kind of image or concept in order to then compare something to. We can go beyond it. We can add two and two, and we can come up with, with four and six and eight and 10 and 12. But you have to start with something has to be given. We don't, we don't actually create out of a vacuum concepts in our minds. Okay, so his will is done, 
and his kavod is amplified. And that's one and the same process. This is the ikar, this is very Kabbalistic here. That is the main crown um, which God glories as a result of his creation. This is the, how we crown God in this world, is by being people that you can recognize in us God's glory. Now, let's come back to planet Earth. This is not the truth. We do not have perfection in the lower world. Our plane that we are basically conscious of, that's what you said. We have a long way to go. We're not there. Only the Ruchmius worlds, the Malachim, and you remember Baruch Shem and Shema, we are seeking to operate at the level of the world of the Malachim. <coughs> In I'm the, not saying we have a long way to go as everyone, but as a society, yeah, yeah, yeah. we have a long way to go. Ein hadover hazem This is not perfected except in the spiritual world. It's not, in fact, perfected right now in this world. It's okay. That's what we're here for. It's a process. Ki heim In the In the spiritual worlds, the spiritual creations... They are Tahor and Kadosh. Ushmois Baruch Shoralehim. And God's name rests upon them constantly. I'm going to take the Ramchal's word for it. And it is tied very closely to them. Right? We'll, we'll trust him. He knows. Ushmois Baruch Shoralehim. His name rests upon them. And they are drawn towards God and godliness at every moment. That's why we have the idea that like Malachim don't really have free will. They're not constantly being drawn toward anything negative. They're not. They're being drawn only towards God. And God's glory is amplified through them. But down in the lower world, this is not a, it's not a done deal. Because the creations down here are not yet perfect. So long as we are not perfect then this process of revealing God's glory into the world through our existence and amplifying his name thereby is also not complete and perfect. The hara, and that which is bad, is mixed into us. And we have not been purified from it. So God's glory, so to speak, is not amplified through us as much as it could be. Whereas Malachim, in their level of perfection, they can give God's glory and praise. The, the fact that they exist sings praise. That's their Pasuk, right? Chazal <coughs> put it, it's like we stole it from them. Well, we didn't take it away from them. They're still singing it. <coughs> it's, like, it's like plagiarism or something. But it's, it's not so much as plagiarizes that we... It's stolen because when you have something and you've stolen it, it's not really yours. On the one hand, you have it. On the other hand, you don't have it. <coughs> on the one hand, you have it. On the other hand, you wouldn't brag about it. You wouldn't inventory it because <coughs> it's not really yours. We, get to use it we use Baruch Shem. We use it kind of softly because that's a little embarrassing because it's not really ours. Right? But on Yom Kippur, it is. Exactly. So the Malachim, they sing this praise. But the lower creations, meaning us, we cannot praise him like that. 
We're not qualified for it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I didn't even notice. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I didn't notice. Okay, I'm with you. We're not suited to it. And God's name does not rest upon us as it, as it could. And God's glory is not amplified through us as it could be. But Yaakov Avinu, may he rest in peace. At the moment that he was going to be leaving the world, he did merit this. Remember, we, we had that also, that idea that clarity in Baruch Hashem is at the end of life. Clarity in Shema actually, in the unity. Right. It can be achieved just at the end because it's not really, the perfection is not for this world. <clears throat> when he was with all of his sons, his holy sons surrounding him, that had no flaw in them. Remember, that was the, you have no chet in your name, we have no end in our name. They were all crowned with God's uh, unity when they said, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad. As they created, you can you have this image of them standing around the bed and them standing there and saying Shema creates a crown, this circular crown of, of God's glory there in that room. And then the elder answered, It's like a reaction to it. Ana, answering, so in English, it a little bit has the connotation, but in Hebrew, la'anot is always a response to something else. It's never the initiation. Okay, so he responded. They said Shema Yisrael. The reaction is Baruch Hashem Kavod Malchuso. He he's seeing when the glory of God, when the unity of God, is expressed fully. The reaction to that is Baruch Hashem Kavod. The name of God's glorious kingdom is blessed. I just saw that happen. I saw it happen. Okay, that we can't say out loud most of the time because we're not holding there and the, the world around us is not holding there. But if we would see God's glorious name revealed, amplified, his glory shown into the world, our reaction is, We, we also use that phrase when mistakes are made and we That's such an interesting point. I wonder if that's why. It's a reaction. To me, it's reaction. Oh my gosh, you know, you're... Right, it's like I, I, I caused damage to it, so I would want to fix it. I'm repairing, like, that that's where it should be. Well, that's what she was that's talking what about. Oh, yeah. Like, if you make a mistake with the expression of God's name, right? Because what is the bracha that you're saying that everything came from God? Right? That Bore Mine Mizonos. He's the one who created the Mizonos. He's the one who created the bread. He's the one who, who made all these foods. And I misattributed in some way. I said something wrong with it, so then the, you want to layer on, right? Okay. So on our side, we're not really qualified for this idea of Baruch Shem. However, we do have a little toehold of qualification. Why? We're descendants of Yaakov Avinu. We're his children, and he did. So am I personally holding there? No, but you know what? I'm a child of Yaakov. We have you. <laughs> I'm a child of I'm, okay. What does it mean if I'm a child of him? It means that something of Yaakov 
has given birth to another child, a Levi, a Yaakov, a Ruvain, a Shimon, right? There's something of him in there. If you look at my DNA and you knew what to look for, if you knew Yaakov's DNA and you knew my DNA, you would find sections of his DNA in my genes. There's something of him in me physically and spiritually that gave birth to me. It's diluted down now, but there's still some of him here, even in me. So to that extent, am I qualified to say Baruch Shem? No, but I have some kind of stake here. I have some kind of claim that doesn't put me completely out. It's not crazy for me to say Baruch Shem, not because of who I am, but because of where I came from and who I represent. So we say it, but quietly. You know, you got to have a certain modesty. Yeah, but am I holding there? No. But who am I? I'm a child of Yaakov, and I'm still here. I'm a child of Yaakov, and Yaakov's still going to speak through us. Maybe if you put all of us together, you could get a little something, right? But, but I know who I really am also. I say it quietly. Zulas biyom hakipurim, except on Yom Kippur. Shemisalem bo Yisrael madregas hamalachim, when the Jewish people as a whole can rise to the level of malachim, commotion of arbim komo v'siyad as we will explain in its proper place in Ritz Hashem. Okay. So this is the beginning of our topic for today. Sorry, I, one reason I made all these copies wasn't only that you could follow along, but so that I could follow along because everything's all in a different order in the notebook. Okay, next. Okay, so this is a Gemara. Sorry, I'm giving them to you in pieces because they're not. Um, oh boy. It's okay, we're just doing that little whited section in the middle. It's actually a really small section. La'olam yasok adam mitzvos. Okay? A person is a Gemara Nazir. A person should always uh, occupy himself. Yasok is not just to keep busy. You know, when we say la'asok b'divrei sora, when we thank Hashem for giving us the mitzvah to be busy with her, it means it's your asek, it's your business. Like, so what do you do? Right? Right? Because the thing that you do, you don't only think about it when you're at work. Sometimes something else will come up and you'll be like, oh, that could be useful at my job. The thing that you do at work, you spend time. You, like, you say, you know what, I should, I should get those extra tools. I should get those nicer clothes for work. I should, I should upgrade the computer. If it was just for me for fun. Yeah, but it's also you're being a professional about it, so you want to do it well. It's beyond that. I think it's also... Like when you're a mommy, you're always a mommy. You have other jobs to do, but you're. you're so some people being. don't notice that, but if you are a professional mommy, I don't mean full time mommy necessarily, although it could be. It's thinking of it as I'm going to do this well. I'm, if I'm going to do it, let me do it really well. Let me get the right tools. Let me get right. Like I'm not going to skimp on the tools. I'm not going to skimp because I want. I want to do a good job. I want to be a professional. That's really what it means when it says the ASIC, okay? So a person should always be a professional in Torah and mitzvot. Even if it's not for its own sake. Because even through doing something not for purely for its own sake, you come to do it purely for its own sake. That's a gemar. It's quite a famous... Uh, statement. 
So the next one, hang on, I'm a little bit out of order here. It's not out of order, I've changed the order here. So what does that have to do with what we're talking about? So this is Ein Aya, which is very interesting. I got this particular source from uh, Rabbi Haber, has this wonderful thing. It says it at the top, New Heights in Jewish Prayer. It's really very amazing course. It's like a whole bunch of discs and CDs and whatever. And there's also handouts. Okay, so Ein Aya is from Rav Avram Yitzchak Kuk. Okay. I'm a Rabbi Yehuda ben Korcha. This is also the white sort of box up there. Lama Kadma Parsha Shema Levahaya Im Shemoa. This is a Chazal. We're, we're going to get to this later on. But the Rabbi Yehuda ben Korcha asked, why does the Parsha of Shema come before the Parsha of Ahaya Im Shemoa? Why are they in this order? It's so that you should first take upon yourself, like welcome your duty to Malchus Shemayim, the fact that the kingdom of God is over you, dominates you first, and afterward you accept upon yourself the specific mitzvos, the duty of the mitzvos. First it's, I want to serve Hashem, and then I want to do, so, so what does Hashem want me to do? Which specific things does he want me to do? That's the mitzvos. Tam. And the Mepharshim have pointed out, why do I need a reason? Lama Kadma, Parsha Shema, Levahayim Shemoa, Shahare Kadma Batara. Like, what, what is Rabbi Yehuda Ben-Korcha asking? They're in that order in the Torah. <laughs> so what's the question? You don't need to ask the question. You don't need to provide a rationale. The Torah gave them in that order, so that would be the most logical order to, to say it over it. Yeah, but we're Jewish. Ella, Shahare Sidur Hateva, the answer is that the reason you have the question is that it's not the obvious order. So now you have a question. Wait, why is it in that order? It would seem more logical or more natural Since the purpose of the kavana in Shema is like reaching a perfected, recognition of God and his unity. You know, there's that, without going into whether that's exactly what it means, the Sefer HaChinuch is famous for having the description of that a person is drawn after his deeds. Meaning, you gotta like walk the walk. You have to do the mitzvos, and then you become a person who can understand. You know, you can't just sit around saying, well, once I feel the perfect inspiration, then I'll go and do the mitzvos. Like, no, you got to start doing the mitzvos. You start doing the mitzvos, and then it all starts to come together, and you understand better what's going on. Anyone who's about Shuvah could tell you that. Like, you can't just sit around the whole time not doing mitzvos. Okay, so that would seem more logical. Hamiyashrim drachav, because the mitzvos straighten a person's ways, and they affect the way you think. So now that you've got accustomed to behaving in a certain way, you're eating kosher food. Well, eating kosher food especially, because eating kosher food clears out your heart so that you could actually accept Torah and understand Torah. It's very hard to do otherwise. But even with other mitzvahs, just the behaving the way that Hashem wants you to behave <clears throat> then arranges your thoughts according to those lines, which are more according to the Torah, and then Torah itself speaks to you better. If so, then we'd say that it would make sense to have Shema after Vahayim Shemoa. That's only true if you're talking about achieving actual perfection in the long run. That in the long, long run, yeah, it's true. You have to be doing it in order to get to the perfection. But, but to even just get started 
at a lower level, if you have no concept that the God is your king, then where are you gonna, what is your reason for starting to do mitzvahs at all? It's true, you have to do mitzvahs in order to get to a shlemos of recognizing God. But what's going to drive you to do the mitzvahs at all in the first place? You have to have some kind of even very imperfect and maybe a little skeptical and maybe sometimes when, when things go badly, you briefly don't happen to think that God was running everything at that instant. You have to remind yourself after, right? So fine. But in the meantime, what's going to get you to do a mitzvah in the first place? You have to have some concept of Malchus Shemaim. Mitzad ha'emunah v'hakabola. Shomoreshes kilas Yaakov. Just from the side of the emuna and having received this as a mesora, as a Jew. That it seems that you have to have some amount of Kabbalah's Malchus Shemayim before Malchus, before Kabbalah's Mitzvah. So what does that all have to do with this? So this is quite a famous passage from the Nechtav Neliyahu. Okay. It's a whole section from this. Like this. Actually, I have two copies of it. Is this also the same thing? No, this is a different Rukhdasa. Begather Shalolishma. Amr Ziknenu Hagaon Achasid Morenu Harav. Oh, shoot, I know who it is. It's one of the great Balamasar. Okay, anyway, a little too tired today. Shakavana Shemitrilas Askobatora, Shalolishma, Tia Machashavto Lagieli de Lishma. Okay, Rukhdasa is saying this. We have this famous Gemara. The Gemara says, Mitoch Shalolishma Balishma. Even if you don't want to do something for the right reasons, just do it anyway, and eventually you'll do it for the right reasons. The right reasons being just for its own sake, not because you're going to get a reward, not because you're going to put a sticker on your incentive chart, not because you're going to get a prize, not because people will think you're a good person for doing it, which are all often the motivations for why we do things, but rather you should just do it because Hashem said to do it, you just do it. That's what you want. But we're not really holding there, so do it. And the Gemara says, like, do it anyway, and you'll get there. Rav Dasa is saying there's a very, very important piece here. Because people do things for glory and honor and kavod, and they don't get there. Or for prizes, right? They don't get there. So what's the difference? And also, you, I'm sorry, and yeah. also people do things just robotically. That's also true. Just yeah. to do it. Yeah, and then they might not. Right, so he says no. First, you have to have the thought that you want to get to lishma for its own sake. That has to be there first. What What is this distinction? From within Balishma, you can come to Lishma. He's saying, not everything you do for the wrong reasons will you end up doing for the right reasons. It's only if there's first a yearning to be better, to be tahor. If you yearn to be better, and then he adds non-lishma incentives to himself as a way of helping himself conquer his Yetzirahara, then be'ofen kazei yavo el halishma. So, you decide 
that you're going to daven every day. Or you're going to say Shema with Kavana every day. Why? Because you really want to be able to say Shema with Kavana. You want, you want to do it right. Only what happens? There's always something you're busy with. There's always something you're rushing with. There's always that. So you don't. So what do you do? You say, you know what? Every time I do, I'm going to put a smiley face on my calendar. And when I get a whole month of smiley faces, I will take myself out to lunch. Okay, That's we don't usually lot. do that. What? A whole month. A whole month. It's a lot. It's when it comes to Kavana, that's a lot. Okay, a diet. Every day you don't have a donut, you put a smiley face on your I'm just trying to do something a little I'm more spiritual. Right? Okay. So so Rev Dessler says that could work. So on any particular day, you're like, uh, I don't have time for this. And they're like, no, I don't want to mess up my my run, you know, I don't want to break it. Or I really was looking for let me picture the yummy lunch I'm going to go get. So that will help drive me. You have your incentive. You use the incentive to conquer Yitzhahara. But the reason you put the incentive into place, the reason you put the lowly Shema there, was because you truly want to do something that's pure and good. Then, Bali Shema, it will bring you to Lishma. You don't have to say, oh, but if I do that, that's going to taint the whole thing. I'm going to ruin it. If I promise myself a new piece of jewelry, for doing chesed every day, like, doesn't that taint the whole thing? What kind of mitzvah is that now? I'm doing it for the jewelry, right? But we do this with kids, right? Potty training. They're not really doing it for the chocolate chip. At some point, they maybe are, right? But, like, the goal is they should be potty trained, not, not they should have chocolate chips. Sometimes you have to weed them off the chocolate chips afterward. So it's the fine. justifies the means. Well, not necessarily. It depends what your means are. I'm not sure what kind of prizes you're offering yourself. <laughs> the point he's making is that there's a deal. When people say, do it, just do it lowly shma, and eventually you'll be lishma, he says they're missing something. You have to know what is the reason you're doing it lowly shma. If the reason you're doing it lowly shma is not lishma, then it's not going to necessarily take you anywhere. If you're doing it because of peer pressure, or you're doing it because you want people to give you honor and respect, and that's your only motivation, if someone who gives tzedakah only because of that, maybe they won't come to do a lishma. But someone gives tzedakah, they really want to be a generous person. And now they see that if you give money to this organization, they'll put your name on the building. Okay, that's fine. Because the incentive to do it, there's other reasons why it's fine also. It also encourages other people to give tzedakah. But the, the incentive to do it is just something that's helping you do what you really wish you could do. It's like it doesn't under it doesn't cheapen it. It's like saying I think it's like saying like you wanna be on a healthy diet and if you are on a healthy diet then you might say, Oh, in a month I can buy myself a new dress. Right. So do you say, Well, I'm not really a healthy person Right. I only well, did it for the dress. Really no, you just right, but the reason you healthy. made the prize for yourself was because this was so important to you to right. do it, and that's when we tell Shlalishma Balishma. Okay, now this <laughs> this is Levaliyahu. So this is um, the Eliyahu of Or Eliyahu of Eliyahu Lopian. See, I don't think we it's need so to say the whole thing. Bottom. Yeah, it was like this post-it note that I had in Israel a few years ago. Okay, sorry. I'm going to start on the left column. I just don't have so much time to do the whole thing. Uvir ha'or sameach. The or sameach explains this mimer, which is a mimer chazal about about frogs that the 
the Shira of frogs is Baruch Shein Kol Malchus which I hope we'll manage to pull off a Shira about while we're studying this, because it's like, yeah, what, really? Yeah. All things? Okay. Um, he gives an explanation that's very deep and very wondrous and uh, suitable to the one who said it it's true that the level of a person is extremely high and people are very lofty creations because a person is a a person has free will and he does not he's not forced to go after his nature he doesn't have to just work under habit or under instinct, like other creations do. But rather the opposite. Because of this greatness and because he's a Baal and because he doesn't have to go after his instincts, there is entrenched in this greatness of his that it should come into his intellect, meaning his intellect is associated with the tzelem elokim in him, the intellectual side. Livchor, to choose hatov, what is good, batov, what is good, and to perfect himself in this way. The greatness of a person is that we are not perfect and we can achieve perfection through choice. But to achieve perfection through choice means we're created, not perfect, okay? We achieve it by choosing what is good. The, the ultimate expression of free will would be that a person chooses himself into a state where he feels forced to do what is good and to avoid what is bad, which is an interesting thought. We're going to... But, but after free will, meaning he chooses it. The ultimate use of free will is to find a way to choose yourself into such a state that you feel you have no choice other than to do what is right. In other words, to choose yourself into being a malach. It's fascinating, right? Because what he's saying is that you would choose yourself to a point where you would not feel that you're using free will anymore but you used your free will to get there. It, it's the same pattern as mitoch shalolishma It's the same pattern as the Shema Yisrael and this idea of saying baruch shame in a whisper. It's choosing to try to become shalem. Shalem means a person that when you look at him, you see the covet of Hashem and within him, there's the kedusha of Hashem. That the glory of God becomes amplified through him and he achieved that through his free will. But, but the free will is to, is to get to where whatever's God's will is my will, which would sort of not be free will. But it's not that we're devaluing free will. We're saying that there's a power of free will to bring us to a state of perfection from a state of imperfection. And that is the glory of a human being. Okay. So according to Okay, and this explains many other things. Let's stop with that. Okay, it's late, so let's stop here. And then we'll, next time I want to read you, I have one or two other sources to tie up this idea 
of of the Baruch Shem Kvod Malchuso Le'olam Va'ed as this expression of, we do say it quietly, but this expression of recognizing the glory of the imperfect striving for perfection. That's, that's in essence that reaction where, where Baruch Shem comes from. Okay, thank you so much. It's nice to be back. Very excited. You know what? I want to give you these now because I don't know if I can keep track of all these papers all over the place. And if you want to, we could staple them in the office or something. <laughs> okay, that's the page after this. And this is the page after. I'm sorry about the handwritten stuff. Like, I really would love to just turn this into actual source sheets. And if I manage for next week, then I will because it will be easier to use. That's the second page of the one I just handed you. And then this is the last one, which is Rabbi Harlap. Okay. Okay. Oh, then he saw Sigal the other day. Oh, yeah.